You're listening to the MLS Fantasy Insider, bringing you weekly tips, tricks, and advice for the official MLS Fantasy game. Hello and welcome everyone to the second episode of our 10th season of the MLS Fantasy Insider, our preview of the Western Conference. This episode is brought to you by, actually, a brought to you by sponsor this week is super secret closed door information, and I'm not able to share that with you. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, sorry. Uh, actually, uh, brought to you by the amazing MLS Fantasy Insider Patreon supporters because of you that were able to keep this project going. Learn more over at patreon.com slash MLSFI. Uh, information will be updated there soon. Just waiting for the game to open before we do that. But patreon.com slash MLSFI. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host, Ashley Savage. We'd also like to welcome our special guest, Matt Pollard from Burgundy Wave and Last Word on Soccer. Reed, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to talk about MLS Fantasy and the fact that we are talking about it in a Rapids context and not which attackers am I selecting who are playing against the Rapids. <laughs> I, I'm I'm so excited with this offseason, Reed. I don't know what to do with my hands. Well, we are so excited <laughs> to have you join. Yes. Uh, and yeah, that was very much the thing last year. I was like, all right, who's playing Colorado? We'll do that. Who's playing? Okay, we'll do it. There's just like, yeah, who's playing Chicago? Who's playing DC? Who's playing Colorado? All right, there we go. There's there's two thirds of my team right there. <laughs> oh no, though. This could be the turnaround. We'll get into it. Maybe not for Chicago, but we'll see. Stoked, stoked to be talking about Colorado tonight. Uh, very nice. What's going on, Cam? Nice to see you on the show. Um, as I mentioned, last week uh so welcome back everyone who joined us last week if that's your first time joining us we have the podcast that comes out pretty much every monday uh, depending on if any crazy thing happens with mls but we have the show coming out to give you some tips and tricks and just insights into the fantasy game uh tonight we're going to continue our preseason previews with the western conference um but just like last week uh i'm going to take a moment before we get into departures and additions and all that good stuff to uh, look back a little bit as we continue to celebrate the 10th season of the MLS Fantasy Insider podcast, uh, revisiting past moments, past voices. And uh, for Matt, uh, we talked about Fripp last week, but for Matt, doesn't go back quite as far, but the first information I have on the site, and there's, there's two different sources here that I can talk about, but on the site, it goes back to 2018. And that was when Matt first helped out with our team preview series of articles. Um, and that was during, and also the round one episode of the fourth season, uh, of the MLS fantasy insider. And so he pinned the LA galaxy preview at that time. It wasn't, I don't think you were quite doing stuff with Colorado then. Is that right? Uh, would have just started at that point. Just started. Yes. And the other fun fact that I thought Ashley would enjoy as well is on that episode, I went back through and checked, uh, not on his own agreeing, which may have been agreeing with everyone, but uh, Matt, you you tipped Nico Ladero as the captain for that round, which was Seattle versus LAFC, which Seattle lost 1-0 during that game. So not uh, not okay. the best, he not the best. A lot of people. Nico trap is he's a does. trap. <laughs> it does, but uh, but yeah. So that's the first. But I also know when I was searching back through my emails and stuff, we had previous communications at least on Twitter. I think maybe a year before that, with just some general retweets and interactions as well. So 
just curious before we get into the meat of the episode, just sort of what you recall about sort of the earlier days of fantasy, the earlier days of Fantasy Boss and Fantasy Insider, and just like getting into all the crazy fantasy stuff. I remember it being a good group of people that were figuring things out. I remember, I feel true. like Reed, the, the podcast as a whole and the community in particularly has done a very good job of iterating on some of the issues that MLS Fantasy has to have in terms of some of the change suggestions or tech issues that have come up and fixed that. And so the fact that it's, you know, to an extent, a community building the thing that exists or at least mm -hmm. influencing that in a positive way, I think is really, really good. Um, I remember I am old enough in terms of my fantasy time in general as the intelligence police are outside ready to get me. Um, <laughs> I remember there was a point where I remember MLS fantasy originally being you only got two subs in a week. And then if you didn't use both of your subs from the previous week, you got a third one. And so like planning out the double game weeks that were coming as well was much more difficult. I remember there being a lot more strategy around the schedule and me being a sicko doing that other than, uh, I think it's more open in terms of the structure that gets more people interested but like the planning for when sporting kansas city was going to be on a buy in 2013 and you yeah. had to swap out zussi and arelli and Colin was something that i was freaking out about three weeks in advance i don't miss that but at the same time there was a structure that made it easier for the sickos to win out yeah yeah, that was a huge change whenever we switched away from the the more EPL, FPL side yeah. of like two two transfers per week. You could bank one or no, it might have been one of them, two or two of them, three to the unlimited transfer model. That was a huge moment in the community that had just so many opinions shared about that. Uh, yeah, that was one of the big changes. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Sporting Kansas City because that also I remember some of the first earliest moments for me we still played fantasy through the playoffs and the yeah. teams just whittled down. And so there was one point I remember where it was just like, and the, the number of players you could have from each team increased for my entire team was just like sporting Kansas city and Houston players. As we were going through there, like my entire defense was Houston, all this kind of craziness. So yeah. ridiculous. but I used to have the championship scarf right here beside me for sporting Kansas city, but it has since come Phased off out. of the rack. Yes. It's phased yeah. out because I do have yeah. behind me the, Whoosh, here we go. This hand, the 2023 Columbus scarf. I did. Doesn't that hurt you? I it I I did. You're good it with was, it. Well, I usually buy these things like the yeah. week after the game, and yeah. this year the web, MLS website sold out before I even got like, made myself go in to even attempt to do it. And so I did find this one online uh, and was able to get one. So the the scarf wall has been updated with, I had, a, I had a placeholder scarf there last week, but the scarf wall has been updated with the Columbus. But of course, right below it, yeah, I got the autograph picture of Lucho Acosta, right? Right underneath mm. there, which uh, I was quick to jump on that one because I knew who was going to get named uh, MVP of the league. And so I was like, yoink. And then it went up in price on, on eBay after that. So I was like, ha ha, that's, that's the insider knowledge right there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, early, early days, all sorts of craziness has happened. It's It's been a long journey, and we have been very thankful to have Matt join us multiple times, both in uh, written digital form and on the show uh, to share his advice. And he's even been a champion of our MLS Fantasy Insider Hosts Invitational League uh, in the past as well. So um, a decorated host that we, we have joining us tonight and very, very excited because there have been all kinds of changes going on in the West. And we have Ashley and Matt here who know exactly what's going on out there. And Westerners. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm very excited for Matt to get a chance to talk about 
Colorado Rapids because I do think it is a night and day sort of team. And so we'll we'll definitely be doing that. But just like last week, a little bit of a reminder with the housekeeping coming up right after this. All right. Welcome back to our housekeeping section of round two, round two of episode two. Uh, there is some housekeeping the same as last week. So you can just fast forward this to the next section if you caught us last week. But just want a reminder, um, as soon as the game opens, which I don't know an exact date, but but definitely hoping it comes soon. I'm going to be start looking at the pro rel leagues to get that all set up. So keep an eye out for those. There will be a very quick turnaround time for you responding to me to get into those leagues. So definitely be ready to go when you see those emails that come out. Patreon swag has been ordered. And so as soon as that comes in, we'll get everything started shipped out from 23 and 24 to get to everybody. Uh, and then what we need to pay attention to just super, super advanced notice round one for MLS fantasy starts Wednesday, February 21st with Miami versus RSL. So we're starting out with a mid game. We're starting out with a double game week as well. Everybody else plays on Saturday and Sunday. But RSL has a double away game during round one and Miami has a double home game. Oh, sorry. Sorry. They have, they're split one home, one away uh, during, during round one, unless something crazy changes between the game going live. That's what it is. RSL double away Miami split home and away. The one team on a bye week in round one is Vancouver, but this is not the only game that a lot of these teams are going to be playing. Vancouver will still be playing on the 14th, which is just in a few days. Uh, they have CONCACAF Champions League that they're all contending with. So Vancouver uh, is on the 14th. Miami's playing on the 15th. St. Louis is playing Houston on the 20th. New England and Orlando are both playing on the 21st, not against each other. And then Nashville and Cincinnati are playing on the 22nd. So those are teams that are going to be overlapping with the start of the MLS season. So essentially are on a double game week themselves. So pay attention to lineups, pay attention to what's going on with all those teams, because it's going to impact you when, and all of us, when we're making these selections. Uh, but don't worry if you're not forgetting about it now. I just want to make sure you have plenty of heads up. And also it's a great segue the talking about the mega reference, which is an awesome tool that we have over at the MLS Fantasy Boss Discord. It is where we have a community effort to track call-ups, tra track injuries, track any kind of craziness that's going on within the league that you're going to want to make sure you pay attention to. We also have set piece takers. We have lists of players who are guaranteed not to play because they've left the game, but their players are still available for selection. So it's, it's a great tool that you're going to want to familiarize yourself with it's over in the fantasy tools section of the mls fantasy boss discord you can head over to mlsfantasyboss.com slash discord uh, i've had some reports that that link might be a little wonky so let me know if uh if that is true i'm, I'm looking into that right now um but if you need some invite links it should be easy to discover just searching for the mls fantasy boss discord and uh, join that community it's fun it's free it's an amazing place where we have a lot of players with uh, a lot of of just past successes who hang out and are willing to talk and engage and provide advice like Matt, like Ashley and myself, who are all there and others who you hear on the show. Uh, it's, it's fantastic at MLS fantasy boss discord. Any other updates that you guys know of? I know we've been doing some preseason stuff as well going on right now. Hey, Reed, if someone wanted to contribute to that stuff so that it's most up to date, especially if they have sources inside the rapids training facility, how <laughs> would one go about doing that? 
Well, it's very easy. When you go to the Discord, you can always look up Christian Ward or you can look up who's a crossword. And you could also look up Ranchinator, Tyler, who's on here before, and just ask about contributing. Any of the moderators can do that if you ping the moderators to help uh, get you involved. There's a special role we can give you to give you access to uh, to be able to to edit and get involved the, with the information. So it's it's a great community event that we always love to have people help just keep up to date because as as we know, unfortunately, it's many times we the players who are a bit more informed or a bit more up to date than we're going to see with injury reports or even official uh, disciplinary actions going around the league. So uh, yeah, just get in touch with the moderator and you too can contribute to help share the the player and fantasy data with everybody else. And Reed, if I can give another shout out as well, I've convinced uh, a couple of years ago, last year, I had two rapid season ticket holders who were new to fantasy, had like mm -hmm. done it for the first two or three weeks and then completely forgotten about it. And the Discord community was something that had them more interested in it. And in particularly for Eastern Conference teams that they didn't watch a whole lot of because they were driving to the Rapids game by the time yeah. those games were happening. The For me, where I find the most value in contributing and in talking with people is when there's a lineup that gets dropped and then iterative making your changes on the fly. The community is very, very good in terms of, I have a question about this, what are some of the other options? And I feel like it's not a, there's not a lot of gatekeeping read in that it's the the experts who are looking for a differential are open to sharing their some of our, uh, some of their ideas. So quite literal insider trading on the MLS Fantasy Boss Discord. Discord. Absolutely. People, people are always willing to share. And even speaking of lineups, there is a separate channel where people, uh, fewer, it's not open to everybody, but people go in and post the lineups as they're dropping RIP Twitter API. But um, they will post those lineups so that when people can react, uh, some of the information is coming out there so that you can see it and make it available. And I love that. I love that story of, of getting people involved in fantasy and keeping them in fantasy because that's, that's what our project has been all about. We definitely, if you're new, we, we talk about some advanced tactics. We talk about players. A lot of people involved would probably be labeled more hardcore because they are watching lineups and making changes, but that's not the only way you have to play. I mean, we're here to try to help give you advice so that you are aware of some of these players, some of these options, and just so get those names who you may not be familiar with so you, so you can consider adding to your team. But we're all about fun, all about just doing the best that you can. And as long as you're playing, that's why we have the Pro Rel League. It's just it's just for fun for people who have different flavors of a game that they want to play. And we're happy to have, we have people who do their own draft leagues as well. It's, it's just all, all about how you want to have fun. And this community is there to help provide that. All right. Well, speaking of all the players that we want to talk about, a lot of moving and shifting has happened in the Western conference. And so excited to jump into that right after this. All right, welcome back. We're talking about players changes. I guess is what we're going to say. This is changes to players that we want to make sure you are aware about for the Western Conference. So first, just some notable departures. Most of these guys are going to be players who are no longer part of MLS, who uh, may have one time had some sort of fantasy relevance or at least contributed to fantasy production uh, for their teams. Matt, who do you want to talk about first? uh critical departures or exits um and would you like me to start with the colorado rapids or you're you are you are welcome i know that maybe the so next section is more about that so. i typed a lot of colorado stuff and deleted it once i realized it was you matt so yes right um <laughs> let's start with the let's start with the key departure uh, departures because then we'll be um talking about one addition 
for Austin. Um, lots of turnover for the Colorado Rapids. A lot of those were players who were not expensive nor valuable when it came from an MLS fantasy standpoint. The two big departures that you have are obviously Jack Price, who you wouldn't have used in MLS fantasy because he got hurt in the second home game of the season with a torn Achilles. He would have been a good defensive bonus and then a good set piece um, assist provider. And then Diego Rubio, who was the one consistent attacking piece you had for the Rapids from start to finish last year. He's going to Austin, where I'm convinced that he's going to play. He is going to have good moments when he, Driussi, and Jossie Zardis are playing well together. I don't think that is going to be very often. Like, I, I do not understand the Austin FC approach of, you know what we really need to do to improve our offense? Bringing back the 2022 Colorado Rapids strikers. And so... I'm not going to say that Jossie's artist is washed, but he's a very known quantity and he has a very low ceiling in terms of what he can do. Driussi is one of those unicorns that you have in MLS that I would equate to Tiago Amada, to um, Emmanuel Reynoso, where they're going to get this, theirs regardless of whether or not the team is around them. Is the team good enough to then amplify that? And then do they amplify players who have a good price differential? Um, Timo Puki in Minnesota, for example, would be a good comparison for that. So I think Driussi is still going to be good. When Rubio plays and Rubio is clicking, he's going to be good. Whether or not anybody else is going to be good around them and whether or not, I think that will lead to Jossie's artist getting a lot of opportunities that will not necessarily lead to goals. I do not think Austin is going to be a very good team this year i do not think that they will make <laughs> the playoffs but if diego rubio start if diego rubio is available for a double game week and they're both at home and rubio's at like 8.5 8.7 million dollars in terms of his cap hit i am going to have him on my bench and i'm not just saying that because i'm a diego rubio stand reed give me a give me a position either tell me to start with the forwards and work my way back or start in goal and work my way forward because otherwise i'm just going to talk about the rapids for an hour well we will do that one let's i'll, I'll let ashley talk about okay departures yes and then, and then we'll like we'll get we'll let you take a breath and organize your thoughts and then and then we'll hit position to position to, to let you just celebrate because that is part of what this is going to yeah. be actually notable departures uh I, you know i gotta i gotta start at up top i almost moved it to the end and i was like no let's just get it out of the way um, it's so relieving and sad to see him leave the Sounders organization. Um, he didn't leave in a way that I, I would have liked. We felt similarly generally as a fan base with Osvaldo Alonso. Um, it felt like there was a very business transaction that happened upon departure, which is, you know, the nature of the game. Um, but the Sounders act like more than a business when things are good. And then there tends to be this tradition of treating you as a, a kind of a product on the way out. Obafemi, Osvaldo, Nico. Um, it's not my favorite thing about the Sounders. That being said, um, I am content as a fan and a fantasy player to have him leave the organization even though I consider him the most decorated sounder of all time, 191 club appearances, 41 goals, 80 assists. Um, the, the 10 that drove this franchise to all of its major success. Um, and definitely a player that, you know, like we kind of joked about uh, in the jump off, but he, he was a constant captain for a very significant amount of time, depending on the matchup or sounders at home, Nico Ladero was your guy in fantasy. Um, and so I'm interested to see how he fits in in Orlando. I do think it's a good fit. 
Um, we kind of alluded to it last week, but just having him leave, leave this club, the Sounders weren't a team you picked up a bunch last season for offense. Um, and I think I said it so many times on the show, like to the point where I started to feel bad myself, but I would just say like, no, don't pick up Nico, please don't pick, like, don't do it last year. Um, very true. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how he fits in that system, but, um, you know, it opens doors for some new arrivals, which I'll talk about when we get a little later. Um, another big one for me, a a player I liked to pick up, he would be my go-to if I knew he'd start, especially on a double, because I feel like LAFC played all of last season on a double game week, it felt like. But Diego Palacios um, left LAFC to go to Corinthians. Uh, That was a little surprising to me. Great player. um, Really contributed to that team. He's gone. Top defender as far as fantasy points goes for LA. Yeah, I mean, if Blaine were here, he'd tell you Palacios Hollingshead, two best outside backs in in MLS fantasy. Um, Kellen Acosta also leaving LAFC, going to Chicago, which we touched on when it was rumored last week it went over the line since the episode but um just a really interesting end place for, for me for a player that is still actively vying for starting minutes with the U.S. men's national team um but you know no one asks me for these things in their decision so interesting to me um I I think it will be he won't be a player I pick up in fantasy for Chicago I don't think um Another LAFC, Chiellini, retired. I don't think I added him to a team once last year. I think he definitely contributed to the kind of, like, strength of that back line a little bit. Um, but definitely, you know, not a big impact to to the game. A big impact to the game and someone that snuck up on a lot of people's radars last year was Saverino for RSL. Gone. Traded outside the league. Very interesting. I mean, they did bring in, you know, Chicho Arango, who as anyone who's ever listened to me talk knows I'm a big fan. Um, Not a like for like player, not even the same position, but still I can see how they might part ways with him as a DP after bringing in Chicho. Um, Another player that, that I liked as a sneaky bench pick inexpensive and a team that really kind of came and went as far as uh, offensive success was Gio. I always say it wrong. Gio Akini for St. Louis. Um, He he's out, he's out of the league. Um, and then they also traded Stroud, which was like a a low key. When we talk, you know, next week we'll start getting into to budget picks and how to price rise and how to build value in your team. And he was one that really built, I'd say, the bulk of my budget at the start of last season. So um, interesting to see him leave as a regular starter. And then I got to get into, you know, little brother down south, but Portland just cleaning out new coach, much to the Timbers Army's dismay. Um, And then they declined options for both Blanco and Nia's Gota. Um, You know, seeing Blanco leave feels weird. I'm okay with it, but it's still kind of weird. Nia's Gota opens up a DP spot, and then they transferred out Yimmy Chara, another DP spot. So... Diego Chara playing there still brotherless now. Um, very interesting. Um, and then the only other other two things that were notable to me um, was Richie Larea looks like he's not resigning with the Caps. It seemed like something that they were really trying to push over the line and and make happen after he was a version of their 
wrestle replacement. I mean, not even, but like, um, you know, the two of them playing at the same time was was kind of fun for fantasy. But books like Nottingham Forest, the fee's too high. He won't stay with the Whitecaps. Uh, and then Gotti Kinda left SKC for a Israeli club, which I found very interesting. I kind of wish Blaine was here. I should ask him more about it. But um, I, that just felt like an interesting move. Uh, but it does open up a DP spot for them. Uh, and it's just one more player, you know, that we, of all the ones I just said, that we definitely touched on, if not weekly, at least often. So just one more player um, out of the fantasy game. Uh you know, that, that we have, or, you know, would pick up over the course of a season. So lots of change. Yeah. For me, uh, not, not too many more to add. Um, so one I'll just start with is at the time of this recording, Carlos Vela is still not with anybody. Um, yeah. he is. So that pretty much puts it, it there. Do we puts an end to the ACV debate. Up? I'll put my hand up if we. <laughs> <laughs> no, always Captain Vela. If it was not already done, uh, it is officially done now uh, with him no longer part of LAFC as it, it appears. Uh, two kind of just personal fantasy things for me. Will Bruin uh, has has been been cut, uh, no longer with Austin. Tier right there for the Dancing Bear, who was just one of those random players for me fantasy wise. You could throw him on a bench every now and then and something would come periodically uh, just sort of enjoy seeing also him do a it. lovely person. We were Correct. privileged to meet him a couple of times while he was with the Sounders and just an absolutely lovely human being. Yeah. I mean, I don't know him, but like seems yeah. to be as far as fan interactions go, just a lovely, lovely person. <laughs> yeah. Always just always enjoyed Will Bruin doing well. Uh, but also Barrios is out. And so my Barrios, Barrios is out uh, again. More of a me thing did not was not retained by LA Galaxy, and so for those of you new, Barrios for me was always a player that whenever I had him, uh, he never did anything, and whenever I didn't have him, he would he would do something, and then to the point we'd be like, okay, I'll bring it back. Nope, then he didn't do anything again. So whenever you have you hear that reference on the show, that's the kind of player we're talking about. If it's if it's a Barrios for you, um, maybe an unjust <laughs> unjust title given to him, but that's what's happened on the show. Uh, more for real ones. Uh, Jefferson Severino gone with RSL. He was our top scoring forward last year. Cade Cowell gone to Chivas. Um, one that I want to mention more because he seemed to always have a positive fantasy impact for his teammates. So, so he made the team better. That's tended to result in the teammates getting, I mean, from what we saw last year, from the, from the data, they, his team scored more points when he was, was in there. So that is gone as well. And then, and then I lied one more, just selfish one to, to say Graham Zusi. Uh, not under contract as of this this podcast. Uh, just a tip of the hat to one of the few players who has spent his entire career with a single league. So just have to. Mane, yeah. it used to be a very go-to fantasy player, not as much in, in the past days, but just want to make sure that acknowledgement. I would say Graham Zussi and Matt Beasler collectively made it so that MLS players could say DP me. Do you know what I mean? Like those two guys post that World Cup were like, listen, pay us our our value. Look what we've done. Give us these. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like they we'll be here exist forever. before them, but I really feel like they paved the way for some of these domestic guys to say, hey, I know I'm not, you know, taking up a green card spot and flashy, but like I deserve that DP money too. And they mm-hmm. really did that in like a super cool professional way. Yeah. 
And so. even though he wasn't relevant, I think this year from a fantasy standpoint, I think we throw in Roger Espinosa retiring. And I think yeah. we can clearly show like th this is the end of the the Sporting Kansas City era of winning the MLS Cup and then all the Open Cup runs and being, you know, kind of Jekyll and Hyde in terms of one year make the playoffs, one year not make the playoffs more recently as well. I think we can close the book on yeah. that. This is now very much a, a new team with a new era and look and i'm curious what that looks like and there's been a lot of discourse at least last year about um peter vermees and the way that he was whether or not gm peter vermees was putting head coach peter vermees in <laughs> the hot seat and what that looked like and i know this is maybe slightly outside the scope of the the fantasy talk here reed but you know i, I think we can officially say this is a different version of sporting kansas city and it's more the the alan Polito era and i'm not sure what that looks like and we've seen a lot of mls head coaches aren't able to reinvent themselves a second a third time and um i'm curious to see what that looks like i haven't been super impressed by the additions that sporting's brought in but we'll talk about that in a bit yeah so, well, let's talk sorry. about it right now let's just jump into oh sorry did i cut you off ashley no i just i'm i, I mean i don't want to go down an even further non-fantasy related tangent about Kevin wilkinson so i'm just gonna i'll cut myself off Okay. I mean, it was, it was just a great transition. So, um, cut yourself off the way the sporting Kansas City cut him oh, off. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, let's not cut ourselves off anymore and go right into talking about notable transfers and new arrivals, arrivals for all our, our teams. Blah, blah, tongue tied. Uh, so, Matt, you're going to have to hold back a little bit because we're going to go position by position going okay. through there. Uh, and you can just, just let out for the teams, that, the players that you want to talk about at each place, uh, starting with keepers. Ashley, who do you want to tip? Yeah, the big one to me was Maxime Crapeau to Portland. Portland has been such a juxtaposition of goalkeepers. Um, oh, I can see his face. They DP'd a goalkeeper a couple goalkeepers ago. Donovan Ricketts, big goalkeeper for them. They've they've always had a big goalkeeper, but lately it's felt like it's been a little bit in flux for for me at least. Bingham, not Bingham. Last year was such a like roller coaster of who's going to start um, between the two of them. And Maxime Crapeau to me. It's just such a solid keeper. He's such a consistent keeper. He does require a consistent back line, I think. But he's also just a proven shot stopper. And so um, coming off the injury, only playing at the back end of the season for LAFC, um, I'm interested to see how he, how he fits in in Portland. Um, but to me, that was a big name signing in a way that Portland hasn't really pulled from within MLS to sign in the last few years. I mean, they'll pick up guys here and there, but Maxime Crapo, you know, barring that absolutely torturous leg break in the MLS Cup final, is he's an MLS Cup champion, you know? I mean, he he's a very good goalkeeper, you know, coming out of Canada, you know, Canada men's national team, all these things. And so um, to bring him there, I think is really interesting. Uh, and I'm you know, from a fantasy perspective, I'm interested from a personal perspective, but I think it will, it will be interesting to see if he can keep that shot stopping ability, bonus point production. Um, you know, like I said, consistent with a consistent back line shutout going, um, for the Timbers. So that was a really surprising signing for me. Matt. 
We'll start with the obvious one that I'm excited about, which is Zach Steffen coming on a free transfer yeah. to the Colorado Rapids. The Rapids have been statistically average in shot stopping basically the entire time that I covered them, uh, that I've covered them going back to 2016. Zach McMath had some years where he was above average. There was other stuff that he did that brought value after the first season, the 2016, uh, you know, the penalty shootout against LA Galaxy. Tim Howard was statistically average in a lot of ways. William Yarbrough was good at a lot of other things, shot stopping. Stopping was not one of them. And if you go on an American soccer analysis right now and look at the expected goals or the goals plus stats for goalkeepers, you will see that Serbian Marko Ilicha was statistically the worst shot stopper cumulatively over the course of the year last year when he took over for Yarbrough after his injuries. Zach Steffen comes in having already won goalkeeper of the year in the early eras of us looking at the fancy stats when it came to goalkeepers. It was very obvious that Zach Steffen was an excellent shot stopper. I think it this what we little we saw of him at Manchester City he is better with his feet he obviously hasn't played a whole lot he's obviously coming off of the knee injury he's practiced fully through preseason and everything I am expecting Zach Steffen to be one of the leaders of something to prove FC that is what the Rapids are going to be this year they have an improved defense in front of him Steffen is going to get a chance to play out of the back and where I think at times Columbus was maybe a little bit reliant on him not too dissimilar from the way that New England Revolution have basically said, we're going to absorb presser. We're going to give up good opportunities. Jordi Petrovic or Matt Turner are going to make saves. I think this will be a better version of any defense that Zach Steffen has had in MLS compared to those Columbus crew teams that he has. So clearly an upgraded position that they're already emphasizing. And from what I've seen from him with the little that we've gotten video wise from the Rapids, that is going to be improved. I am curious, Reed, since we don't know about prices yet, I'm wondering if Stefan's going to come in maybe a little bit overpriced given the USMNT credentials. So I might not have him for the first couple weeks. The Rapids have a really tough start. Those first seven games are tough. They're at Portland. They host Nashville and then they go to RSL as well. But if as soon as Stefan drops below nine and a half, nine million, I'm immediately picking him up because I think he'll get better and then the rapids are going to get better two other goalkeepers that um that kind of stand out for me john mccarthy to the la galaxy i'm bewildered by what the galaxy have done this offseason with a lot of stuff i like gabrielle peck we'll talk about the uh the asian right back who they've brought in as well but i thought jonathan bond was fine or at least goalkeeper wasn't the immediate position of confusion there um yeah, we have also seen that the LA Galaxy don't have a great track record from bringing LAFC players over to them. So maybe Will Koontz knows something <laughs> that we don't. Maybe Will Koontz sees something in John McCarthy that we only saw for a minute when McCarthy came in for Crepeau in MLS Cup against Philadelphia Union. But Raheem Edwards came over from LAFC and that didn't go particularly well. So I'm confused by that. I do think that Greg Vanny's on the hot seat. I do think that they've kind of rebuilt a little bit on the fly at some young players, but I, I don't think this fan base has a lot of patience for where they are at with Greg Vanny. And I'm wondering if they're setting is Will Kuntz setting up the rebuild for what's going to be two to three years such that the he has the excuse to fire the head coach and then therefore brings in his guy with the team that is elevated. And was Greg Vanny was Jonathan Bond a Greg Vanny signing? And then is John McCarthy clearly a Will Kuntz signing in ways that they've kind of done some other stuff? Um, this offseason is, is a curiosity that I have. Yeah, definitely some weird things going on there. But I, I like I, I like some of the comments I've heard where they're saying that they're trying to get away from that, like buy an old famous person from Europe and then try to build a team around there in in L.A. So I mean, that's mm -hmm. definitely kind of been the vibe you get from that team. And so I, I'd be excited to see what, what they can do with yeah. 
uh, without that. But no, uh, definitely some of those the the keeper changes there with with LAFC. Very strange. Uh, John McCarthy might be a very good if the Galaxy are on one of the afternoon Spanish language broadcasts and everything set up to have John McCarthy or Jonathan Bond, for that matter, is your auto ruin everything. Um, I'm not convinced this LA Galaxy defense is going to be good until they have time to mesh. But we'll talk about that in a minute. For sure. For sure. And of course, the reason that there were so many goalkeeper changes in LAFC is because they got their own big name uh, from from my Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, Hugo Lloris has yeah. come in. Big name there uh, with the the money they're talking about. It sounds like the Spurs are still playing a lot of his salary, but a lot of hope for him to do things there. And like you had said, worried about Zach Steffen. I'm hoping he doesn't come in with a double digit price right at the beginning. He he may because of that that uh, USMNT tax. I expect Loris to be like hanging the needle with goalkeepers coming in. I mean that's gonna. It's recognizable name coming to a big club. Just a lot of expectations there. Just that that European tax is going to be added on for the fantasy thing. So he's definitely going to be a guy that uh, is going to cost you if you bring him in. You're going to hope he's worth what he is priced at, and he's probably not. Just the way that keepers tend to be, that it's probably not going to be worth the pretty penny that you would be able to save and move things uh, into your field. Which uh, we'll talk about round one some more the the tactics, but. Um, yeah, that's the other big notable transfer I wanted to mention. He will be there. Um, and who knows, when you're flush with cash, maybe you want to take a look at it and see what he does down there in LAFC. Uh, but let's move on to defenders now. Matt, you had started to allude to some of the defensive thoughts in, in LA. So what do you think about defenders in general? Yeah, um, Miki, I mean, the right back who is Japanese, who's complimenting Yoshida, the Japanese international center back who they brought in towards the end of last year. I'm really curious. I, I'm the it seems like the Galaxy have gone way more off the board in terms of players that they've gone for. Bruce Arena had a very clear approach in terms of getting domestic guys and then select guys internationally. The Rapids, or excuse me, the Galaxy were kind of all over the board in terms of getting, you know, bigger names or guys with pedigree and experience that maybe were expensive and not worth it in terms of on the field. Obviously now Jovan Karofsky is no longer with the organization. So I'm wondering, I'm curious where this strategy is coming from. Was there somebody else internally was working on this or did Will Koontz maybe save some of the dossiers and scouting files that they had on a couple guys for LAFC and then brought them in as well? I do think it is a green flag that you've got Yoshida. And then I do not know if I'm pronouncing Miki Yamin correctly at all, but then, so you've got two Japanese players who've spent some time to a little bit with the national team. I think you combine that with an improved Jalen Neal, who will be cheaper on the end from a fantasy side, so he'll certainly have some upside. But you combine that with some questions at the goalkeeper position and everything that's changed in midfield outside of Ricky Pooge as well. I think it'll take some time to gel, but I do think there will be advantageous games in which there will be value to be had at that front, whether or not that's specifically Amin or Jaden Neal, I'm not entirely sure. I lean towards Neal given what we've seen from them, but this is a team that was not great defensively, didn't have a good midfield in front of them, and in particularly was really, really weak on set pieces for a Western Conference that I think will be better on set pieces. So we'll see what that looks like, but I do think there'll be some cheap options for the Galaxy defense for good double game weeks. Um, I also want to highlight Bruno Wilson, the Portuguese international who's coming over for San Jose. San Jose also brought in a new goalkeeper who I know we didn't highlight or didn't think was as relevant as well. San Jose is always a weird one for me, fantasy 
dynasty wise, like their team chaos, like they could, you know, they could have a spectacular win and have a really great game where they could be absolutely terrible. And they kind of have the, this might not resonate with the fan base, but like how Andrew Luck was able to get results, but then be a terrible option for fantasy in NFL fantasy because he got sacked a lot and he gave up a lot of really bad interceptions as well. I feel like that's the version of the San Jose earthquakes. But if there's a new guy defensively that I'm looking at from a San Jose standpoint who could bring some value, Bruno Wilson's that obviously the defender who I'm most excited about coming back to the Western Conference is Sam Vines. The Sam Vines back is back in Colorado, grew a lot as a player and as a person off the field from a uh, uh, from a from a fantasy standpoint uh, when he was with uh, Royal Antwerp. And I spoke with him last week and I asked him about the um, clerical error that led to him being omitted from the Champions League roster from Royal Antwerp. And he said that he's moved on emotionally from it, but it is definitely a motivating thing. He wants to get back into the national team. He wants to get back to Europe. He wants to get back into Champions League. And I couldn't think of a softer landing spot than him coming in and solving the left back position that was vacated by Andrew Gutman being traded to Chicago Fire. So I think he's coming in as with as much of a vengeance as Zach Steffen. You combine that with him reuniting with Cole Bassett as well, possibly on the left and getting to play alongside Jordy Mihailovic and everything. Sam Vines will be a good defensive player on a team that I think will get more clean sheets this year and he will get attacking bonuses. And we've seen where there have been absolutely valuable players from a fantasy standpoint, the fullback position, it's what they are doing in attack. Is, am I ready to predict that he's going to be the Balreal of 2023? Absolutely <laughs> not. But if the rap, if he is 8 million or less going into that home opener against Nashville, I'm absolutely starting Sam Vines. Fair. 100%. Ashley. Yeah, I just have one and I feel like I'm doing it just for ranch, not even myself, but Seattle Sounders signed Nathan, you guys. I mean, it's definitely for depth. It's a little bit because it sounds like, you know, the Sounders have been trying to offload Ariaga for a full season. Um, Gamer is having visa issues. He's had them before. Um, it sounds like Jackson Reagan, who's a, a big hit in my household. I don't pick him up fantasy very often, but um, people do. People do. I've seen him. Um, it sounds like he has been dealing with some knee problems that could have maybe should have required surgery didn't and so just filling some center back depth was a priority for the Sounders this offseason and they brought in fantasy favorite Nathan you guys so you know red card bonus points Nathan does both um I'm very excited I expect to see ranch in a Nathan jersey at some point preferably week one I don't I can't imagine a better pick for for him in particular but um i'm interested to see if he makes an impact for the sounders from a fantasy perspective like he did when healthy for the earthquakes um it was a it was a defense that you didn't always bank on a shutout but you could bank on nathan for those center back bonus points not all center backs are created equally in this fantasy game they don't all pick up the same bonus points as others when the sounders play in a four back Yamar will get four and Reagan will get none. And it's very important when you play this game to kind of figure out, um, as anyone who listens to me knows, I prefer a wing back. But when you're wanting a center back with bonus points, Nathan is the type of center back who, who has consistently produced those bonus points at San Jose. So I'm interested to see if he slots in for the Sounders, what it looks like if he does. Um, it's definitely something on my radar as it sounds like Jackson Reagan won't be starting the opening away or home game for the Sounders. 
is it Nathan and can he produce? So um, definitely an interesting signing for me, but that was the only real defender I wanted, I wanted to highlight on my end. Yeah, and I've got a few I just want to make sure people are aware of, uh, don't know how, exactly how they're going to perform at the beginning of the season, but players who might be worth writing down just to kind of check out, see how things go. Mix of a combination here. Ashley loves the the wing backs because of the offensive potential. I also am always down for just a big bonus point producing center back as well under the right circumstances. Those are kind of the two players that I'm going to like. If you're somewhere in between, I'm probably not going to pick you up for fantasy because that's I, I want those bonus points. Um, but uh, – Guilliambra Biro from uh, coming in for Austin, replacing Lima. There is the left back. Uh, I want to keep an eye on him to see if he has some good production because that's what you would want from Lima. But when he was there, what we got from Lima when he was in San Jose. And so if uh, Guilliambra can do that, then uh, that could be that could be a nice uh, addition there at Austin, though, if they end up like you're saying, Matt, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, Omar Campos, uh, left back over at LAFC, have some offensive potential. want to keep an eye on him. Uh, see Mika Yamane. Uh, that's an, like you, you said, Matt, I want to keep an eye on him. Just that, that same potential there, just so much going on with LA. I, I want to see what happens. That's how I tend to be. I mean, that that's me as a fantasy player is I usually want to see a little bit of performance before I'm willing to go in. Others may be willing to jump in and get some of those bigger points when they're coming up there, but I tend to want to see some of those results first. Then of course, um, Thomas Totland and Nicholas Dyer coming in and St. Louis, both wings being replaced at the same time. Kind of strange. Didn't think it was super needed, but they seem to think it. Uh, if they're going to be better offensively than than previously, then two new options there could have some, some decent value as well. Uh, don't have the prices officially yet, so these, these could change if they're coming in too high. They may not be the diamonds in the rough that you're looking for, but but names that I definitely um, want to add to the list that we're talking about right there. But let's go on to midfielders. Of course, here again, we're looking at offensive players. I know we, we kind of mentioned Price before. We did mention Price before earlier. Kind of one of those rare occasions, a guy who sometimes would get lumped in as a D-mid, but not really a D-mid, but had had production uh, options right there. That That's who we're looking for, people who produce defensive mids, Still don't look like they're going to be any kind of fantasy viable, but who do you like coming into this season from the West, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, I got to start with it. Pedro de la Vega. I, uh, I'm i weirdly optimistic about this one. I, I'm usually, like Reed, when it comes to fantasy, I'm a, well, let me wait and see type of person. Every so often, there's someone who comes in and I'm like, yeah. No, I'm already in. I'm already sold. You haven't touched the ball, and I'm I'm invested. I'm somewhere in the middle with Pedro de la Vega. He's young. He's never played for any other team other than his boyhood club. Um, his stats don't pad much for me, but his footage does. And so um, I'm very interested to see how he plays. He is going to be replacing a fan favorite of last season, which is Leo Chu. Um, Mr. Inconsistent, but just piles when he produced. Um, and Leo Chu was brought in to be a Pedro de la Vega. So um, <clears throat> I'm interested to see how he works. He's filling a young DP spot, uh, record transfer fee for his club, not for the Sounders. Um, you know, so definitely someone I have my eye on. For the last year or so, I've been a little poo-poo, except for Jordan Morris out of, you know, familial obligation, uh, about just the Sounders offense. And so... I think it just takes one person. We've also talked 
Reed's had to cut me off from going into too much analytics about the game and how the game of soccer can relate to fantasy points. But Albert Rusnak has really underproduced for the Sounders um, since he came from RSL and he really consistently produced for them. Um, Rusnak moving into a 10 role with two very viable ring wingers on each side and either Jordan Morris or a healthy Raul Ruiz Diaz in front of him. I think this could change a lot for the Sounders offense as far as fantasy production. Um, I think a 10 usually makes a bigger change, but I really could see if Pedro de la Vega lives up to what he's being billed as, I could see him making a big difference um, for the Sounders offensively, which could trickle down to Christian Roldan on the other side. Like I said, Rusnak, more, you know, all these players that were kind of on the bubble for us a lot last year and have been more consistent in years past. Um, so I'm very interested to see how this this pans out. Um, and as a fan, you know, I'm excited to see a new young DP. We haven't had a good young DP in a while, so that's fun. Um, Krylak to Vancouver was really weird for me. Again, I know RSL is kind of moving some things around. I think there is a bigger vision there that maybe we don't see as people who are actively tapped into that. Maybe Matt as a rival would have a little more on that. So I won't speak too much on it. Um, having him come to the caps, I'm not excited about. Um, I don't want them to get better. They seem to be on the rise. And Krylak is someone that from a fantasy perspective, when playing is consistent for us. He didn't play consistently this past season for RSL. Um, so how does he fit into their system? Is he Mr. Reliable as he's been in the past? Um, next to Ryan Gauld, who are their similar player, they come up different sides of the field and when they work out, out of the middle, but um, they are similar positional players. So I'm interested to see how he might fit in. Vancouver also picked up Fafa Picolt. That's a depth signing. He's a name that we definitely, you know, have highlighted in the past. I don't think he'll make a splash, but it was still something that caught my eye. Um, and then one of the biggest things for me, and I know, you know, our friends in Minnesota will kind of shit on me for this, but Reynoso showed up, you guys. I think that that deserves to be highlighted. He showed up to preseason. He's there. Everyone around him seems safe and unharmed. So it feels like maybe he's going to get this season started. Um, and you know, I, I, I have no idea what is or isn't real outside of the, the field for him, but on the field, that guy produces, you know, on a level that we expect tends to produce. And he is a consistent producer of bonus points, goals and assists as a 10. Um, he's done it without a striker. Now he has Pookie. Um, and so I'm interested to see what a full season without the off field issues bring for Reynoso. I mean, I know he didn't show up initially, but he did show up. So, you know, that's, that's a step in the right direction, I guess. Um, and then there was also a big announcement out of RSL today. I'll let Matt take that too. Um, something that seemed a little interesting to me, kind of another player that I feel like the stats don't support, but I love when we get a good championship level midfield signing in MLS. So Yeah. That's it for me. Let's start with Demir Krylech since you brought him up, Ashley. Um, the, the big thing for me to your point is whether or not he stays healthy. If he stays healthy, he is maybe not a dark horse for MVP, but like 15 to 20 goal contributions, late arriver in the box and everything. And he was kind of at his best when he was in this weird hybrid role of like the 4-2-4 that Paolo Mastroini would play where he was almost a, a regista 
defensively and then going forward, he almost turned into a false night. How much of that was Krylach being creative and maybe having a couple big moments in playoffs or against better teams, given that Pablo Mastroeni, when it comes to his offensive tactics, he is a blunt and simple instrument. Uh, you know, Vanny Sartini is also a vibes guy, but I do think he has some nuance to him. And he's clearly shown that in terms of his tactical approach. I think where Krylach is super useful is he's not being brought in to specifically be the guy in ways that I think RSL expected him to. He is a compliment to already the cooking that you're going to see from Ryan Gold and from Brian White. And so I think that's where it's really valuable in like having a double game week where Minnesota had two home games and you would have um, I could, the Scandinavian guy from Minnesota um, whose name is escaping me right now, you know, like, um, yeah, where you would have Robin Lode at on your bench and you would start uh, you would start Emmanuel Reynoso because of what Reynoso could bring out or make happen for Robin Lode. I feel like Krylach is in that. I still want to see him be consistently healthy in order to see that. I thought he was good in that Champions League game that we saw on the island, um, you know, against uh, Tigres the other night. So certainly excited what to see with it. Um, but certainly he's going to be a complimentary piece for Vancouver. If I have the budget for Brian Wright or for Ryan Gall, there's no question that I'm going for them. I think he'll be better than Serge Cordova, and that's an improvement yes. from Vancouver from a secondary fantasy option, certainly. Um, and then uh, let's bring up, so Matt Crooks is the uh, RSL signing that they've brought in from the championship who's a versatile midfielder i saw him in games where he played when they were in the champion when fulham was in the championship last and by championship standards i thought he looked okay reed this is a really good idea for an article of like the every english championship player that's come in and what they've done fantasy wise because i feel like they've been below average to like absolute bust and then we've also seen guys come in from the english lower leagues and be absolutely fantastic players not just bradley wright phillips as well so like the I feel like it's it's going to be one of the other if he's coming in to fill two thirds of the the back third going in terms of the back of the pitch from what Demir Krylach has been. I think that's totally OK. I do think that RSL has lost something in Jasper Loffelsund. I'll get to him in a minute as well. But I'm just I'm curious to see how RSL uses him. And given the exodus that we've seen from the Real Salt Lake attack, what role is he having and then what's going on around him? So it's something to your point, Reed, about how there's a bunch of moves that are happening that I'm curious that I'm keeping like mm -hmm. in my mental notes for what I see in the first two to three weeks of the season. Matt Crooks absolutely is not starting for my fantasy team against Inter Miami for that week one as well. But if I see a couple good things from week one to week four, and in particularly if I see improvements from week one to week four, by the time we get to that first double game week if RSL has a favorable schedule that I'm looking at it's something that I'm paying attention to when I pick my RSL players that will inevitably destroy the Colorado Rapids in week three Matt Brooks <laughs> is not the one that I am looking at certainly which brings me to the two big additions that we've seen in the midfield for the Colorado Rapids. Jordi Mihailovic is coming in, listeners, and similar to Sam Vines, he is, and Zach Steffen for that matter, he is immediately solving a problem that they've had. He absolutely is an up upgrade over Diego Rubio. I have some qualms about some of the players that the Rapids have brought in that are replacing Price or what Chris Armas is going to do tactically in order to replace him in the aggregate. I have no concerns about Jordi Mihailovic being as good or better than what Diego Rubio has been for the Rapids on a per 90 basis. This is a guy who at his ceiling with Montreal was, you know, a top five, a top 10 finisher will get votes in 
and uh, top 10 finisher in terms of midfield uh, production and fantasy from a greater MLS standpoint will get votes for MVP as well. He is going to come in and he's going to cook and do stuff on that left side. Combining with Sam Vines is going to be fantastic. He is going to create chances for an Omir Fernandez for a Rafael Navajo who are going to get opportunities. And he is going to be a compounding positive influence on what was a better version of Cole Bassett after Robin Frazier was fired in the final seven games of the season. So even if you're not looking at Jordy Mihailovic, who I think similar to Stefan, will probably come in with some UNCMT, some European tax as well. I don't think that'll happen to Sam Vines. But if Jordy Mihailovic is there, Cole Bassett is going to be better. And whoever that third guy in the 4-2-3-1 that they're playing, I think it's going to be Omer Fernandez in the long run. But he has had some injuries and hasn't been as involved in preseason so that's where you could get a really good um roster budget differential in terms of a calvin harris or a jonathan lewis being on the bench for six and a half seven million and if they score a goal they're going to bump up a million plus in those first couple weeks as well but jordy mihailovic is absolutely going to be when i think about stacking my five midfielders when i usually go the the three five two formation as well jordy mihailovic is absolutely going to be one of those three or four number tens that i look at at bringing i Curious to see whether or not Jasper Loffelsen straight up wins the number six position next to Connor Ronan in the 4-2-3-1 for the Rapids. And if he does, I think we could see the best imitation of what Michael Azero was in 2016-2017 with the Rapids, where his ceiling in terms of price is going to be very low and his floor is also going to be very low. Because he's if he's starting, he's probably going to get two, he's probably going to get two points automatically just for the playing and everything. He's probably going to get a defensive bonus. He's probably going to get a passing bonus as well. He's probably not going to do a whole lot else going on there. Where I have concerns is him being the ball winner. Does he turn into the bad version of Jack Price, which was just a yellow card machine? If he's a yellow card machine, absolutely stay away from him. But if he turns up to that guy who's going to be, who's always going to get you for sure four points, could get you six. If you're really tight on budget standpoint, that's something to look for. I'm still not sure who that number six player is going to be next to Connor Ronan. Speaking of Connor Ronan, Ashley, I know you brought him up a few times last year when it was between him and Bassett. If you were looking at Rapids midfielders, I'm looking elsewhere. If Ronan's going to be useful, the Rapids are going to have to come back to being the set piece kings of MLS. I'm not convinced that that's happening yet. If you're going with a Rapids midfielder, it's Mihailovic number one, Bassett number two. Well said. Absolutely. Uh, two more names I'm going to add to the list. One of them legitimate one of them question marks uh first one is uh edward atuesta returning to lafc uh historically he was a solid fantasy producer for lafc and last year struggled to really find in my opinion reliable midfield coverage oftentimes with with uh la so um could be a good go-to option right there and then the other one is memo rodriguez and he is coming to sporting kansas city this looks like it's a depth signing from what Matt Doyle's talked about in some of his articles. Uh, but but Memo has an interesting fantasy history of being surprisingly a good point generator when he was with Houston. Um, and so if if he starts getting consistent time, as you had mentioned, Matt, interesting times over in Sporting Kansas City with some of this, this new old guard going its way. If he starts getting some time, I'm interested in just seeing what happens because he has some good history and I, I imagine his price will be lower. And so that could be uh, some good points for you in the right situations, but we'll have to see just, like, this is, these are the weird things that some of the extra value we can bring this week. Some of us have been around long enough. We're like, that guy was good. 
that guy generated some points and he may never it may have not broken out but he's been surprisingly consistent and that can be very helpful under the right circumstances with fantasy especially during our double game weeks all right let's move on to the final section forwards matt Okay, I haven't actually started with the... I'll, I'll start with the Rapids player. Um, I, I guess, um, Reed, we don't yet know about positions, so Omir Fernandez may be a midfielder as opposed sure. to a forward. He's been a winger. Again, he has a bit of an injury, so I wouldn't count on him for week one. But I think this was... Of, of all the moves that the Rapids made, and a lot of them made some noise, I think this is a sneaky good pickup in terms of... If I had to pick a free agent who I thought should have gotten the most interest across like number of teams in MLS, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find more than three or four who would have been more interesting to more teams than Omir Fernandez. I think it's an absolute perfect fit. These reuniting with Chris Armis, who brought him into the first team for the first time as a homegrown coming out of the Red Bulls Academy. And if you look at the analytics around him, the areas in which he's the least Red Bullsy compared to other wingers that got minutes more than him are ways in which Chris Armis is going to have, you know, the the Rapids not be Colorado Red Bulls in that regard. And so in that regard, I think he's a perfect fit what he's doing tactically. And if you look at the way that Armist really wants to play, one of his wide players, he wants to be kind of the chance creator on the ball. And the other one, he wants to be more pressing forcing the ball going the other way and then be the finisher on those opportunities. So if Jordi Mihailovic is the one creating chances, it's Omer Fernandez who's creating turnovers, dare I say a winger who's getting defensive bonuses in fantasy and finishing on those opportunities if it's not Cole Bassett or Rafael Navajo. So uh, not a main winger option that I'm looking at, but one that I'm curious, uh, that I'm certainly interested in. Um, Peter Musa to FC Dallas. I thought the timing about this uh, signing was really, really interesting because interest started to peak when Jesus Ferreira was having that interest from the Russian club that then dropped off. If you look at Peter Musa's position, he's normally a center forward. So does that mean that Ferreira is moving back to being more of a second forward? I'm not quite sure how that relationship is going to work out, but the stats really show from him in terms of what he did when he was at Benfica playing in Portugal, Serbian international. We've seen most of them have at least somewhat success in MLS. And if we're believing the FC Dallas press release on this, he has the potential to be the third most successful expensive incoming transfer in MLS history. That is not a move from FC Dallas that is buying a guy on the high for the purposes of redeveloping. They are buying a 25-year-old and splashing the cast with the understanding that he is going to be him. He's going to be the dude. And is this also preemptively preparing for Ferreira's inevitable move away? Maybe another club comes in from Europe. I don't think that the U.S. government is going to change their views on Russia or that what's happening in Ukraine is changing to where if Spartak Moscow come in for him again in the summer that is going to change what's going on with that but I think they're bringing him in to certainly be the goal scorer and as long as Ferreira is there and I expect him to score goals and be effective for a Dallas team that's trying to get over the hump um already mentioned Diego Rubio so I won't talk too much about that Gabriel Peck into the LA Galaxy I think is certainly the marquee move that they've made this offseason and is similar to Ricky Puj where it's spend market value on a young player with upside but has some name recognition internationally but mainly who's the guy who can help us win now who can grow within the team and then has potential resale value and so in that regard I think Gabriel Peck is that one for this season in which ways that um, 
um, that Ricky Pooj was as well. So I expect him individually to be successful. Again, without Chicharito, no Billy Sharp as well. I'm not sure what else is happening at the forward position for the LA Galaxy. As the three of us mentioned a few minutes ago, we have some doubts about their position. But if I had to pick two players on the LA Galaxy right now that no matter what is going on around them, good or bad, should be a viable option in terms of fantasy, Pooj in the midfield and Gabrielle Peck are the two for me. Um, Ashley, I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit, but I'll, I'll throw it to you. Danny Musovsky to Seattle Sounders. Um, is he like we've seen Musovsky when he's been brought in? It's either the you're a stopgap solution to the starter position, and then you're like you're almost like Dombaji plus is maybe a good comparison <laughs> for that. And then if we end up signing somebody bigger, you're coming off the bench. There was a lot of discussion about clubs that he's exited and what happened at RSL and what happened at Houston. And this was only a two year deal, but is it the money that he thought was appropriate as well? And so he's kind of this enigma signing that sure. I've seen throughout. MLS like it's I feel like he's the new Leon Chu where is he even going to play I'm not entirely sure when he hits well he's going to hit well but there's going to be plenty of weeks where he's going to be the Barrios of all Michael Barrioses yeah I think he is the uh a bear upgrade uh Freddie Montero's contract is still up in flux I know that sounds kind of crazy but there's still talk that they might still re-sign him and that is a strictly bench depth senior leadership thing. Um, I don't think it's going to get over the line from from conversations that I've seen or been a part of, um, but maybe it will. Bear popped early and then never again. And so something we know as a Sounders organization is Raul Ruiz Diaz will, at best case scenario, play half this season. Jordan Morris is not a nine. He can play a nine, but he's not a nine. Um, and so there has to be another line of depth for Jordan Morris, who is also a little injury prone, one, two week injury prone, not six to eight weeks, Raul Ruiz injury prone. Um, so I think the moose is more, and I'm really embracing that because I miss Will Bruin and the bear. Um, but <laughs> I love it. I think the moose is more of a stopgap, like you kind of referenced to. Um, we've seen him produce, I think, from a fantasy perspective and from a playing perspective, I think he is better than Aber when Aber came to the Sounders. He's also cheaper. He's also younger, um, and his teeth are newer. So I think that there's a lot of upside. If you're not ever looked, you got to check it out next time. Read, just pay. You'll see it. You'll see it. Um, I think that there is not a lot of fantasy impact into him. I do think it is an an interesting signing as far as depth. I think you'll see him. I think he will be just like a bear was where on weeks, you know, he might start, you throw him on your bench because he's going to be cheap, right? It's a home game. Maybe it's against San Jose. Maybe it's against Austin. Danny Musovsky, put him on your bench, you know, just to see if he hits. Um, but I don't, there's no way he breaks into this starting 11 barring like massive injuries. Um, it's already complicated to me how they're going to get, Raul Ruiz, a healthy Raul Ruiz and Jordan Morris on the field. So Danny Mazowski is going to need to take a seat, you know. But still interesting. It's been very interesting to me, kind of how you alluded, how he's bounced around. And so he scores goals. He doesn't score a ton, but he scores goals and his positioning is is very good. So, um, yeah, it, an interesting pickup. Um you know, they can't spend a ton of money with that. Raul Ruiz is still sitting on there. 
Um, so a lot of people thought they might sign a nine and instead they signed the moose. So where it's where it's kind of a red flag for me is that all the chatter coming out of Houston when they were talking about contract negotiations or him staying was he either wanted to go to a place where for sure he was going to play or go for a place where he was going to get paid. And so based on what you're telling me, I don't know that he got the bag. Even then, it's only a two year contract. <laughs> and, yeah. and again, like, is he coming in? Was there a handshake deal to where they said, we're going to give you this deal. You're going to start for the first half of the season. You're going to play well enough for you to have trade value. And then when Raul Diaz comes back, then we're going to move you on to a better opportunity. That's just that there's something else going on to where I have concerns. And there's too many other good forwards that are worth the money, not even including Lionel Messi. If Messi's a forward in this case, or Suarez in that case to where I'm looking at it. So yeah, like bench yeah. option when I need some money in the ways that in ways that Dominic Baji was in the past in ways that Brian White before he became him in Vancouver is something that I'll be passively paying attention to. But we said that about we, we could read, we could do an entire starting 11. We could do a full fantasy team of guys that we've brought up in this show that we're passively looking at, but have yeah. some question marks around. Oh, hundred percent. Well, 100%. but we talked about price rising a lot, you know, and we'll get it read and we'll get into it much more next week, but a bear was a great resource for price building last season because he shouldn't have started, but he did. And then not only did he start, but he scored. And so theoretically, depending on how fit Raul Ruiz is, and he posts Instagram stories all the time in ice baths and with things in his ankle and all this stuff. Um, my, you know, home threads group chats just light up with these things all the time. Um, I could see, you know, I'm not saying I think he will, but I could see it. I could see Masovsky coming in at a low price, possibly starting, depending on what the formation looks like, um, you know, before Rui Diaz is healthy. But again, there's this guy, maybe you've heard of him, Jordan Morris, eating up a lot of money, scoring a decent amount of goals, double digit goals and assists. So um, we'll see. Interesting sign. It's definitely something that like piqued my interest from a fantasy perspective, but I'm I'm not quite sure where he'll fit for sure. Um, for, for me, Musa was the big, the big thing that I paid attention to from a forwards perspective. I've seen him compared to Gigi a lot, but younger, <laughs> um, and fitter. And so the things that I don't like about Gigi at Atlanta, um, is how much he gets hurt. So if you're pitching me, he's just for just such a good job kind of filling the under, right? Like playing kind of as a false nine, a borderline 10, which does not seem like what he should be doing, but he does it. And so to imagine him with a GG style striker is fun. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, the both of them, that sounds fun. We've talked about this with FC Dallas for several years. I don't think they've ever grown out of it. It's just a, which one do you choose? Who do you choose? Which one is going to hit, right? So I agree with you, Matt. They're not selling them to Russia. There's no way MLS just straight up said no, um, which they don't do very often. Um, so he's going to be here until at least the summer. How do they play together? Which one do you choose? They're both probably expensive. Uh, so how does that play into our, our choice selection from a fantasy perspective uh, will be interesting to me. I think it's still fun for the game. I think it's fun for the league. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, where does that go? And then, supposedly if you believe Merritt Paulson, which I never do. Um, and if you believe uh, Phil Neville, which I like to um, Portland is looking at a DP striker, a DP striker could still be coming in. I don't know how that fits. I don't look at all the calendars. Um, they get one a lot. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, 
you know, so that's something that's interesting for me. Felipe Mora, Nia's go to not viable fantasy options at any point. So inconsistent, did score. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from them as DPs, but um, from a fantasy perspective, just not viable options at any point in their tenure, at least for me. Um, so who, you know, who are they going to bring in? How does that person fit? No more Yimmy, you know, we're talking about like mid-tier wingers at this point now. And then Evander was such a roller coaster last year from a fantasy perspective. Um, but a DP striker is still something, you know, my ears perk when I hear someone has picked up sure. um, a new DP striker. So I'll believe it when I see it, when it comes to Portland, but they've said it enough that I have to think like, why are you still talking about it if it's not actually going to go over the line, right? Um, when the coach and the owner, who, by the way, I won't go into it, but why is he still the owner? Um, when they both say we're signing a DP striker, someone's going to show up. So I'm interested to see who it is. Um, and that's definitely something I'm I'm looking for, you know, as we progress, as the game progresses. Maybe it's not till summer. I don't know why they're talking about it so much now if it's not. But um, that's kind of the only other other big striker movement um that i've i've been paying attention to besides i am also i should say very into gabrielle peck i'm very interested to see what that looks like this post chicharito era we didn't even say that guys we're so mean chicharito left he got it's it's like jack price he got hurt part way through the season so we kind of like we already knew that he wasn't coming back i know i just now i feel obligated to say i'm interested to see in this post chicharito you know, they moved, uh, who was the young kid? Judd, Judson, Judd, right? Yeah, right. Preston Judd. Yes, they moved Preston Judd out to San Jose. Um, I will still never understand how uh, Jolovich, Jolovich doesn't get more of a crack at things down there. Um, but so I'm I'm excited about, about this striker uh, for LA Galaxy. So uh, he and Musa are definitely the, the two names that I'm, I'm I think they're going to price themselves out of my lineups and and the first couple games are a little interesting for both teams. So, um, but I'm definitely excited to see them both in the game and what their prices look like and how they can produce based on the preseason expectations. The the last thing that I'll add is uh, just LAFC addition with with that Vela information still pretty much gone as far as I'm concerned. But with it still some questions around there. Um, Moss and Hill over there with LAFC center center forward. Um, someone to keep an eye on with Bowanga still in the mix. Probably going to be your go-to target as well. But um, Tommy's got some, some potential to him as well if you're looking at some other options and maybe even rotations there right there. Otherwise, it covers so much stuff. There are some teams that we did not talk about. I'm going to do a quick sound off of, of what my thoughts were. If you all have any deeper comments that you want to make, Feel free to do that right now as we wrap things up. Can we talk about Houston? Uh, their window's been super quiet. Limited fantasy options may be less fantasy viable than at the beginning of the season than they were at the end of last season. Can we talk about Minnesota? No, not really, but um, they're in better shape than Houston. Uh, they didn't have to do a whole lot. Look like they're still going to have some of the still same go-to fantasy options, so just not a lot of change there. Uh, same thing with RSL. Not a lot of change. Uh, I'm not really sure about fantasy options with RSL. Maybe maybe some bench there. San Jose. Luna. I'm pushing that one this year. Okay. Okay. I think San Jose is mostly quiet. Um, has some consistent fantasy options, but maybe more of a bench team uh, with, with one exception. Maybe. And, of course, did we talk about Vancouver? 
Not a lot, but uh, I was mentioning this in chat earlier. Vancouver didn't do a lot, but Vancouver still has a lot of fantasy options that we'll be covering next week. I, I don't know if they are a three-player team for your fantasy lineup, but I think they've got multiple options and are always going to be worth considering, at least at the start of the season, depending on fixture congestion for them. But Briefly piggyback off that really quickly because I talked about it last year a lot. That Vancouver defensive beginning of the season to midseason performance I'm happy to be wrong. I don't think that's going to replicate itself. That was so weird. And mm-hmm. it was like, and no one really bought into it. I mean, there's a couple of people who are like, no, I had, you know, so-and-so the whole time or whatever. But like, it just seemed like something that wasn't going to yeah. continue eating and did. I'm just going to caution anybody who last year really bought into that to just be a little, the way that they play in that weird tree formation with the three back and the wing, you know, I just... I'm cautious. I'm cautious with that. I think there's other viable options for Vancouver, but um, like Vancouver defense was such a talking point of the last fantasy season for the start of fantasy season that I feel like it really messed with a lot of people in the middle and the end of the fantasy season who were like, well, no, look at the points for this player and all of the projected points and all, right. All of these things. And um, to me, they were a little bit of a hoax. And so (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm cautious with Vancouver defense as they were, I think the most prominent part. I think they were bigger than, than Gold was last season from a fantasy perspective, just the defense and people kind of picked and chose. Right. Um, But I don't see those shutouts producing the same this season with all the adjustments in the West, all the people that have been brought in and the teams that are, you know, kind of being reformed. Um, So just a word of, of caution. And we'll get into this with picks next week, but I just wanted to, as you said, Vancouver touch on that. I think Vancouver very much has a chance to be what Atlanta's been the last two to three years, where it's like the they're front loaded on two or three guys that you're really looking at from a fantasy standpoint. There's maybe one viable defensive player fantasy wise, and whether it's a center back on bonuses or um, you know a wide player like Brooks Lennon who's providing attacking wise, but fundamentally it's a team that's going to have to win games three to two, and that makes it fun if you're captaining Ryan Gold that gives you concerns or other cause for pause in terms of the position. One One thing on Houston, I know we didn't talk about them because they didn't change a whole lot, Reed, but I think it's an easy argument to make. Last season was the best season they'd had since they probably won MLS Cup in the mid-2000s. And so I don't fault them from a front office and a coaching standpoint for running it back. And while most of the fun they had was in Open Cup specifically, I do think they're a very viable fantasy team. I know there was, I haven't paid attention to it in the last week or so, but I know there was some injury concerns for Ache Ache. And certainly if he's not healthy to start the season, that immediately gives me so many concerns because the the sphere of influence that he had um, on the team as a whole was as important as Emmanuel Reynoso or Ricky Pooge in terms of what they did in that midfield. Different players, different in terms of what he did from a fantasy standpoint. My concern and my question is there's no one focal point from the attack, whether it's a Quinones or a Coco Kereskia or Griffin Dorsey as well. So I'm really curious to see which one of those guys replicates what they do last year. Does somebody improve over that? And how much of what we saw is maybe looking at it with rose-tinted glasses because they destroyed Inner Miami without Messi in the Open Cup Finals. Well, So that's my concern of like the, regardless of what else is going on around with the Sounders attack, I know if Jordan Morris is fully healthy and if I know if he's playing 90 minutes, he is going to get his. I don't know that there's an obvious attacking player 
for that with the case of the Houston attack. There could be guys that are hot at different times that are worth looking at, and I think at price points that are certainly better. And in case of the Houston midfield, it's maybe the situation you have with the AFC Dallas attackers where it's you got to pick one and you're not going to play both in terms of Coco Kereskia and in terms of Hector Herrera. I do think if the I do think if Ache Ache is out of that, like that is the that's a house of cards falling down that you don't look at anyone else and you have concerns about the rest of the team plays. No Ricky Pooj for the LA Galaxy and Gabriel Peck isn't getting the ball and they're probably getting destroyed and that defense is going to be questionable. So I think that's worth looking at. I could totally see Houston winning 2-0 in their opening game of the season and it's like, okay, everything's fine. Which attacker do I like this week? But um, they're going to be relevant from a fantasy standpoint, Reed, provided that Ache Ache is healthy. Yeah, agree. All right, well, Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley, again, as our regular host for this season, as, as Blaine is taking some steps back uh, to talk about the Western Conference. We will have Blaine with us next week as our special guest host. I don't know. We'll figure that one out. But uh, kicking things off with round one, previewing everything there. Uh, a lot of stuff's been discussed. We're going to get more into the actual nitty gritty of it. The, the game should be open by the start of the season uh, from everything that, that that we can tell. Just don't know the exact date uh, I, right now. I'd put money that it's open when we talk next next week. There we go. That's that's what we all hope right there. But uh, So it's going to be a lot of fun as we celebrate the 10th season. But let's wrap everything up with our plugs. Matt. Listeners, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever they're calling it now. I am still an X-Man uh, at LWS Matt Pollard. Uh, most of my written content, all rapid-specific, you can find at burgundywave.com, general MLS, albeit more recently mostly USMNT that doesn't immediately have a fantasy implication. You can find at lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer, and you can hear me doing other stuff, talking mostly rapids with Holding the Highland with Rabbi and Red. Mark Goodman and I will be podcasting tomorrow night at time of recording, doing our full rapid season preview and read. I promise in the first month of the season, once we know all of the MLS fantasy rules <laughs> on, I will have you on and we will talk fantasy and you have to pick which rapids player is going to be your Barrios now, or read, oh, read, are you oh. going to find a galaxy play? Who is your oh, Barrios? I, I didn't mention this earlier, uh, but um, I was head to head with rabbi in the holding the high line fantasy head to head league. And he kicked my butt in, in the first half of the season and as someone who cares deeply about his fantasy team and <laughs> rabbi who picks it he picks his fantasy team while he is prepping dinner for the evening on saturdays so he just did his lineup totally haphazardly i have spreadsheets and all this stuff and everything and he beat me he would not let it go for months on end talking and i captained lucho the week that the the week that we were playing again in the reverse fixture in the second half of the season and lucho had a goal and assist so i I am I am hereby Lucho Acosta and I are good. I am absolving him of whatever stuff. He and I are at peace. Doesn't mean necessarily that I'm picking him always, but Reed, I have to know you have to pick your Barrios that is coming up. I don't know if you can really pick your Barrios and you, if you just have you. to define him right, right. But but <laughs> I shall I shall do my best to to find someone who has the potential to be my next Barrios. Very, I will yes. do that. I will do that. I just, we need Jesus Ferreira. I've talked about it. I won't. I won't get too into it because that's a tough one to be. He's much better than Barrios has ever been. But Jesus Ferreira, for some reason, he is my Barrios. We'll see. Do you have anything to plug, Ashley? I'm nothing. A Discord. I mean, I know we sound like a you know <laughs> broken broken system over here at this point, but. 
Um, if you if you're listening to this and you're not on Discord, I think you're not getting the full rounded fantasy experience. And so, um, just head there, um, talk to someone, anyone. Definitely, you know, as the season starts to go, that mega reference is crucial. Um, I couldn't play without it. <laughs> I wouldn't couldn't play as well without it for sure. Um, and yeah, that's that's my one one plug for today. All right, yeah, of course, MLSFancyBoss.com, the Discord community, the Reddit's gone. I see some people posting every now and then, but it's it, it's around. But come to the Discord, it's it's good stuff there. And then the Patreon site, we'll get that updated with the, with the swag information for this year. To As we celebrate 10 years of MLS Fantasy Insider, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're super excited for the start of the season, super excited for the game to open up and see all the official pricing and everything and the new rules. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, but until then, as always, good luck. Mm -hmm.